Hello and welcome to Theology on Tap. My name is Brendan Gatta. I'm the Young Adult Coordinator for the Diocese. I realized I never introduced myself, so I thought I would do that tonight. Now I just want to quickly introduce our speaker, and then I'm going to let him go. Um, this is Father Kyle Sass. Did I say that correct, Father? Yes? Okay. He's a diocesan priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, um, and he's a native of Poland. He's here tonight to share some insights and stories about the great saint, John Paul II. Uh, so let us welcome Father. And uh, he didn't bring anything on paper, so it's all in his head. So prepare to be amazed. So I have to pay attention, I came to this country in 2003, so I'm still learning English. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. So this talk was, um, the theme was Totus Tus, yes? Totus Tus about uh, John Paul II, and I think that it will be a perfect moment to start this talk with the prayer uh, John Paul II wrote, uh, namely Totus Tus, which means I am all yours, Mary. And um, if we can place ourselves in the presence of Almighty God, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Immaculate Conception, Mary my Mother, live in me, act in me, speak in me and through me. Think your thoughts in my mind, love from my heart, give me your dispositions and feelings. Teach, lead me and guide me to Jesus. Correct, enlighten and expand my thoughts and behavior. Possess my soul. Take over my entire personality and life. Replace it with yourself. Incline me to constant adoration. Pray in me and through me. Let me live in you and keep me in this union always. Amen. So this is the personality of John Paul II. We cannot understand John Paul II if we don't understand Poland. Poland is 98% Roman Catholic. The constitution of Poland is actually uh, our national religion. You have the separation between state and religion, correct? In Poland, the national religion is Roman Catholicism. So this is our national religion. Well, um, in my when I was when I was in high school, I passed through a very difficult time. Uh, I'm coming from um, basically very tough neighborhood in Poland, I'm, and now I'm in pretty tough neighborhood now in my assignment as well. I'm a pastor for Lady Queen of Peace in Southeast DC across the river. Um, and, uh, and the Lord is equipping us for this mission. I mean, I was growing up in the tough worker neighborhood in Poland. A lot of violence. Um, and uh, and when, I was, uh, when I was pretty young, I already started smoking marijuana, getting into drugs, drinking was a huge problem. I mean, it was just, I, I, I was born in the communist system, so still a lot of dramas. And, uh, and I see that the, this beacon of light, which Sister Faustina Kowalska, in her diary of Divine Mercy wrote, that from Poland will come a little light which will illuminate the entire church. And I think that this little light was John Paul II. He was elected Pope one year after I was born. I was born in 1977, he was elected the Pope in 1978. So my entire childhood and you know, being young was under his uh, papacy. Then we have a great Pope, um, Pope Benedict and now Pope Francis. But um, also another thing which connects me to John Paul II is that he spoke many languages and God gave me also the grace to speak many of them. I speak seven languages. And, uh, and I was um, using these languages here in the United States with the Hispanic ministry and French ministry. Um, and also John Paul II was baptized June 20, 
and I was born in Jun Twen. <laughs> so, uh, so John Paul II was always a huge inspiration, and especially if, uh, as you remember, in, in uh, May 13, 1982, he was shot in the. St. Peter's Square, and, uh, and it was the biggest shock I remember still as uh, I was only five years old. But everybody was, you know, everybody was, was crying, was panicking, what's gonna happen to Pope John Paul II, he's going to die. And, uh, and it was the moment of huge tension in our country. As I was saying, uh, I was born in 77, so it was still the communist system. In 1992, and we had the civil war in Poland, which the martial law was implemented, and, uh, and the tanks went on the street, the army was on the street. We didn't have opportunity of any freedom. You remember, I, I think that you know everybody, like Wałęsa, who was the Solidarity Movement leader, who together with John Paul II and Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, they managed to pull down the Berlin Wall and destroy the communist system. So this is the power of the papacy of John Paul II. What, what I remember, uh, I, I don't remember when he was praying this, but I have so many DVDs of uh, an entire collection of his DVD talks. And I'm blessed to understand because most of the talks he was giving, like the best talks, were in Polish. <laughs> also, the, the theology of the body is written in Polish. And uh, so um, I was listening over and over again his, uh, his homily given in the Piłsudski Square in Warsaw in 1978. But nobody was thinking that he will actually come to Poland because the communist system didn't allow. Uh, Paul VI to come to Poland to celebrate uh, the uh, 900th anniversary of Polish baptism. Poland was baptized in 966, and uh, in 1966 we were celebrating 900th anniversary, and the communist government didn't allow Paul VI to come to Poland. And uh, John Paul II, wherever he wanted, he, he always get it. I mean, this is the beauty of him. He said, I want to go to Mexico. Everybody said, uh, Castaroli, who was the, the, the Vatican spokesman, he said, you will never go to Mexico. There is a separation between state and religion, huge persecution of Catholics. You will never get to Mexico. He said, I want to go to Mexico. He went to Mexico. Even before, he went to Poland. But when he came to Poland in 1978, he was praying with conviction, a very powerful prayer. He said, which means, let your spirit come and renew the face of this, of, of the earth, of this earth. And it was very profitable. In 1978, when the communist system, they even, uh, the, the only uh, footage of the TV, um, uh, from the TV, they were showing only the nuns, priests, and the old ladies. But this is the Catholic Church in Poland. So, uh, it was the first time that the Polish people actually uh, realized that there are many that were bullied by the communists and there are not only few living in little towns, but there are millions of them and we can unite ourselves and when he was speaking about solidarity, when so solidarity movement was born and then the people start uniting themselves and the free unions and, and little by little we will we were beating up the communist system, but they finally gave up. And this is the power and conviction of prayer as well. And I would like to, um, you know, um, I, was, um, I was pretty touched with the events of last week. We had so much violence lately, you know, with, um, in different cities, uh, with uh, some young people being shot, and then seven of the police's, police officers in retaliation in Dallas. And, and many people, I, I was following Facebook and I was, I was afraid because everything was like, we have to do something, we have to do the action, we have to maybe even to take the weapons or whatever. And I said, who was speaking about prayer? Who said like, let's pray together, okay? Let's do something, let's storm heaven with prayers. And this is what John Paul II did. 
I followed him once in the pilgrimage in 1997, 1998, 1997, he came to Poland and he did a pretty good tour. Uh, Gdańsk, Szczecin, Gorzów, Wielkopolski, Poznań, Wrocław, Kraków, uh, Lublin. And I took the, with a friend of mine, we just bought the ticket and we're following him to every city. <laughs> and it was so amazing because I loved Pope John Paul II praying. I mean, it was not show. It was not a show. He could be among thousands of people and he could be mystic, mystical in the crowd. He had the ability to be in communion with God all the time. And I remember in, in Wrocław when I went into the, to the cathedral and since we were only two of us, we managed to go to the Chapel of the Blessed Sacrament because we were convinced that it will be the first thing John Paul II will do. He will go to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. And sure enough, he went there and he always prayed like that. And he spent, and you can, and, and the people were going like they could touch him wherever he didn't move an inch. He was in front of the Lord, don't bother him. I mean, he had this ability to connect with the Lord. And these things helped me also, gave me a lot of hope. Because, um, because I was blaming God, I was blaming church for the teachings that the church was... I was thinking that the church is imposing something on me. But the church teaching is against my freedom. I have to be free, I, have, I can do whatever the heck I want. And, and I did everything I wanted. I did my master in theology, I did my master in journalism, I was working in the best radio in Poland, I, I have connections with President Putin, President, uh, President Jacques Chirac back then, and doing interviews and everything, I had many girlfriends, I had my own apartment, everything what I wanted and nothing in my heart. I was totally dead. No happiness, you can ask me how you're doing. Fine. With the fake smile, but inside I was dead. My life was just to survive another day. I was living from party to party. Basically, my day of survival is to wake up at 12 o'clock because I was studying, thanks be to God. I made up my schedule so that I, I could study and work at the same time. So I have all my classes in the late afternoon. And uh, so I was working, surviving in my work, go to the classes and then go to the party. Waking up and all, this was my life. Living in total flat life without anything in my heart. I was so empty as empty can be to the point that I was suicidal. I was really thinking to, keep, to kill myself. Because I arrived to everything. I have everything I possibly wanted. And I was cheated by the devil because I've seen that I have everything and yet I am not happy. And this was the this was the moment that but uh, I was avoiding every every girl who was associated with the church. I didn't like church girls. And and God cheated me somehow but I actually fell in love with this girl who was from charismatic renewal. And, and she was looking at me, uh, at my behavior and everything, and she said, you need to go to confession. I said, here we are. Here we are. And, and, she said, and I said, to, to a priest who entered the seminar when he was 18 years old, was ordained when he was 25, what he knows about life, give me a break. I said, I know the good priest, Dominican father, he will go and confess with him. And she made me to go, and it was the best decision I ever made. Because this priest was like Padre Pio, like the, I, I think that he was like the disciple, John Paul II. He just looked at me and he told me all my sins, in my face. He just said to me, because I was so paralyzed with fear to go to confession. Uh, so he said, I will say your sins and you will say yes or not. And basically, everything he said, I was like, yes. And then the other one, he said, but there's the last one, I want you to speak it up, you yourself. And this was, I think, the, the, this was, um, I think, the, 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 the biggest sin I have, hatred. Hatred. I was hating. I was hating my father, blaming him for all the dramas in my life, for his alcoholism and how he treated my mother. And in fact, I was saying, when I will have a wife, my wife will be treated totally different. 
how stupid I was. I had the same DNA as my father. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then I arrived to such a despair that I was hating even everybody else and, and the most I hated myself. And when I said all of this, then the priest gave me a Bible and he said, I'm leaving you for half an hour. I will be back. If you find in the Bible at least one passage in which God says that he hates you, go to the basement, kill yourself, and I will do the Catholic funeral for you. This was a very powerful statement. I mean, this, it was like first time like somebody got my attention. And I was thinking to myself in my pride and arrogance, I said, of course, but in the New Testament I will not find anything because love, love, peace, peace, no, this is the New Testament. The Old Testament is everything from like storm and you know earthquakes and killings. So there, there I find something and I did it. And he came back and said, Oh, you are here, praise God. And then he started to uh, read from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Their powerful statement about the love of God, and as you know the statement from Isaiah, even if your mother forgets you, I'll never forget you. On the palm of my hands I have written your name. And then he told me one thing, that I have to go to ask my father for forgiveness. And this blew my mind. And then I remind myself, John Paul II, when he was when he was shot in 1992, the first thing he did when he survived and came out from the hospital was to go to the prison and to meet Aliach. And this was the first thing he said, I forgive you. Everything in the scripture, and especially in this year of mercy, is about forgiveness. You know why centurion converted? The centurion, the, the cruel centurion who was crucifying Jesus Christ. He was in awe, he was awestruck. Because he witnessed something extremely extraordinary, he never witnessed this before. He crucified thousands of convicts. And he witnessed that every convict was blaspheming, cursing in pain. And he was blaspheming against the Romans and said, somebody will punish you, you wicked Romans. But it was the only time in his life that he witnessed that there was one man crucified and shout from the top of his lungs, Father, forgive them. And it was Jesus Christ. And you know what he said at the end? Truly this man was a son of God. This is what makes us children of God. Our ability to forgive our enemies. Of course, this was not uh, something natural, because I said to this priest, Are you kidding me? For everything what this guy did to me? He has to come to me, kneel down and kiss my feet, and maybe I will forgive him. And he said, well, that's why you are in the state you are. How you can pray now, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I cannot even give you this as a penance, because it will be blasphemy. Because in the moment that you will say, I forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, you cannot say this because you hate your father. Well, I said, it's, um, okay, I'll try, I'll do it. So he said, uh, by the way, I had a long hair, so he said, cut your hair by a suit. <laughs> so this, this first part was very easy, because I went to the barber shop, I cut my hair by a suit, and I go to my dad, he didn't recognize me at first, but And my asking for forgiveness was, forgive me that because you are like that and that and that and that and that and that. Okay. That's my dad said, okay, I forgive you, man. No, I just cursed him off, but okay. I came back and the priest was telling me, you know, we don't understand. Because to forgive somebody is to give somebody, do you have to you have to give someone a satisfaction because you are thinking that you are better than, than your father. So uh, he said, so I think that you have to go, uh, do, do you have an aunt who was growing up together with him? I said, yeah, uh, she lives in France. So pack your bags, go to France and talk to her and learn about her life. And it was the best experience because I learned the terrible life my father had. 
And that was a very easy way afterwards, when I learned what he passed through, then I started to justify him. Like Jesus Christ did justify the people. He was justifying the people who were uh, poor sinners, like Zacchaeus, for instance. No? He justified him. He loved him. And this experience of forgiveness uh, opened my mind. And then when I start to read the Bible, and when I start to read the letters of John Paul II and his teaching, everything starts clicking in my head. Because in the history of Poland, we have many saints who did this extraordinary thing. First of all, we have Maximilian Maria Kolben. And I hope that some, someone, somebody, someone of you is going to Poland for World Day. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll go to Auschwitz. Auschwitz is for free this year for the World of Day. And it's pretty interesting, but Santa Benedicta of the Cross at each time, the same thing. But it's pretty interesting, Maximilian Maria Kolben, no? that in the midst of the horror when the people were losing faith, and by the way, I am Jewish from both sides as well, my, 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 my grandmas and my grandfather from both sides were Jewish, my grandma survived Holocaust. Thanks be to God, she was not sent to Auschwitz because she will not survive, but she was in the camp on the Russian side and she managed to escape and survive the war. But she was Jewish before the war. She converted to Catholicism after Holocaust. This is interesting. She converted after Holocaust, when many people lost their faith in God. And this was why John Paul II was very powerful preacher because he has experienced the both crazy craziness of people, communism and and and, and uh, Nazism. The, the 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 two ideologies would remove totally God from the picture, correct? But they removed them. The Hitler was saying that Uber mean the the, the uh, Superman. Now we have to build a powerful, powerful uh, society. So we have to eliminate all the Jewish people. We have to make from the Polish people slaves because nobody nobody knows that the Auschwitz-Birkenau was constructed for the Polish people first. Did you know this? It was for us first. From 1939 to 1942. The only people who were exterminated in Auschwitz-Birkenau was Polish people and gypsies and Russian prisoners of war. In 1942, when Hitler made a decision of the final destination of the Jewish people, they start, they rebuild, they move Auschwitz to Birkenau and they open this huge camp in Birkenau and they start right away killing 5,000 people a day. Can you imagine 5,000 people a day? There was a train coming, the, the Gestapo soldiers were standing like that with two medical doctors, all the ladies and children straight to the gas chamber with cyclone B, and the men were just looking in their teeth like, like horse teeth, and okay, he's, uh, he's strong enough to work, to work, and they survived maybe two, three months in the terrible conditions, and I invite really those who are going to Toward your day to take advantage of this and go to Birkenau will be. I mean, it's it's always it's it's always helping a lot. I remember last time I, I took the young people from Arizona. I took 200 young people. I couldn't sleep almost all night because they were going wild. You know the teenagers. <laughs> and I was praying to God, God, give me at least one night because I will go to the San Elizabeth Hospital for my mental problems, please. <laughs> And the providence of God sent us to Auschwitz-Birkenau. We went, we did the tour in Birkenau. This was the only night that they didn't say a word and they go to bed right away, everybody. They were sleeping like a babies. Such a shock that we humans were capable to do such a monstrosity. And John Paul II witnessed this every single day. All his friends, Vadovice, when he was born, Vadovice was the Jewish city. Basically, 65% of Vadovica was the Jewish population. And we were always living in beautiful symbiosis, Polish people with the Jewish people. In fact, uh, the history of Poland is that we never had the middle class. Uh, in 
15th century, our king invited Jewish people to come to Poland to be the settlers to start the middle class because we have only uh, aristocracy and the peasants and the middle class was missing. So they invited Jewish people to come and to establish um, uh, commerce and, and so forth. So we are living in the perfect symbiosis in Poland. And then, then when, when, the when the Nazism fi finally collapsed in 1945 and we were thinking that we were already liberated, in 1945 we had the Russian army entering and taking over Poland. So we never experienced for a long time a freedom. I mean, you are lucky guys that you were born in the United States, land of the free and the home of the brave. Because we, uh, we had not a very beautiful national anthem, but we have a very, very bad uh, geographical position. We are between Germans and Russians, and we never had, like, uh, you know, good night's sleep. Because you never know, especially with the craziness was going on, but Thanks be to God, our country is standing firm. So I also invite you not to listen to the to the propaganda of different newspapers that they say that in Poland we don't have democracy. Oh yes, we do. Our president is Roman Catholic, and our entire government is Roman Catholic, and the people elected both the same party for the president and for the government. So this is the first time in the history of Poland that we have 80% the same party members. That's why everybody is pissed off. <laughs> because we have a president who is from, from the same party, like entire government. So now we can make laws. So now we don't have... Well, now we have called the teaching of the Catholic Church and we are maybe the only country in Europe where we don't have legalized abortion and so forth. We are standing true and will be persecuted for this. That's why the European Union is pressing us with gender ideology and other things. And that's why also I love John Paul II because he was very clear in his message. He never confused me. When I was reading Evangelium Vita, I didn't have any confusion when I was reading what he was writing. He was very precise in his thought. He was very easy to understand. He was a philosopher, and if you understand philosophy, you will understand him very well. He was very easy to be understood. And, and, and this what, what, what helped me in my priesthood personally. I mean, I'm reading and rereading, and once again for me to read the encyclicals of John Paul II is not one night event. It takes time, page by page to ponder, to pray about it, and to think about it. No, because he had this powerful unity with God and Virgin Mary. I mean, they were together, together all the time. So in this time of the, of, of the confusion we are living for, we need exactly the same voice, like we had the voice of John Paul II. And you know what convinced me to go to the seminary, John Paul II? Because I've seen, and in his, in his, in his talks, and, and uh, I remember when he was giving the talk in Westerplatte. Do, do, are you familiar with Westerplatte? Westerplatte is in the coast of, uh, of Poland, in, very near in Gdańsk. 200 Polish soldiers were standing the post, in the post, defending themselves uh, against 5,000 German soldiers for two weeks in full combat. 200 soldiers against 5,000. And they didn't want to give up. They were thinking, oh, French will help us. English will help us. And they were standing there. Of course, they didn't help us. And in fact, we have, when we're escaping to the east and we're thinking that the big brother will help us, the big brother attack us from the east and the west and east crash us to the, to the dust. Then we have uh, 20,000 officers killed in Katyn. You heard about Katyn? By the way, our president was flying there, the previous president was flying with an entire cabinet, an entire plane, plane crashed, an entire cabinet was destroyed. Pretty interesting, huh? There's a joke about it. Putin says, well, comrades, we have to adjust the time zones because I'm pretty confused. I was calling China, and in China I was saying that happy birthday to the president of China, and they said, his birthday is tomorrow. 
and I was calling Poland and saying condolences and they said president didn't leave yet. <laughs> so this is the reality. We know the truth. Everybody in Poland knows the truth, what's happened, but that's it. God will reveal this at the end of times. So this is the this is the situation and, and I mean just looking at John Paul II, look at his personality. Have you ever seen him sad? I never seen him sad. He had a serious face because we Polish do have serious faces. Okay, so um, but I've never seen him sad. And she, according to the deep psychology, he should be the most depressed person in the world. No? His mom died when he was only seven years old. His brother died, and his father died when he was 19. He was by himself, surviving the war and surviving the communists at the same time. And he never got angry, he never got depressed, and always at peace. Why? Because he had this belief. And I remember, you know, when you, from, from the stories, when he went to Calvary as a Judaism, which is a very beautiful Marian shrine, and his mother died, and his dad took him to this place. He was looking at the icon of Virgin Mary, and he said to her, you took my mother, now you have to be my mother. And that's why you will understand his status plus ergo sum Maria, I am all yours. And this powerful prayer we'll listen to. You will understand John Paul II because for us Polish, Virgin Mary is like for Mexican Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's exactly the same. If you say something against Virgin Mary in Poland, you are in big trouble. <laughs> that's why I'm so happy and blessed. But God also, in His mercy, sent me to most of the parishes in my priesthood. Uh, named after Virgin Mary. I was in Immaculate Heart of Mary and now I'm in Our Lady Queen of Peace. And I hope that if I will change the parish, I will go to another Marian parish. To Częstochowa. Częstochowa is the place when uh, Black Madonna is. Now many people are asking why you have a Black Madonna, because this is original icon of, uh, you know, the Virgin Mary was not European, no? Virgin Mary was Jewish. And the Jewish people are not white, but Jewish people are dark. So Virgin Mary was dark, Jesus was dark, and uh, and when this when this icon was painted, according to the tradition, this icon was painted on the table made by Joseph in Nazareth. This is the tradition, and was painted by San Luke the Evangelist, who saw Virgin Mary, so he was. He was painting her, so this is the this is his uh, visual experience of Virgin Mary. And this icon came from Byzantium after all the turmoils and to Hungary. And from Hungary, with our when our king married Queen Jadwiga from Hungary, then she brought icon of uh, of Black Madonna to uh, Poland and is kept in Częstochowa which is called Clare Mountain, on the beautiful mountain where it's a huge monastery. And then we, all Polish people, they have to go at least once in life. It's like Mecca for Muslims. And Guadalupe in Mexico. I mean, uh, I, I have been blessed to go uh, three times already to Guadalupe, and this is the most powerful experience. John Paul II, I remember when I was in Arizona, and John Paul II died, I went to one of the churches in Arizona and I was crying in front of his picture and all the Mexicans came, why are you crying? He was not Polish, he was Mexican. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was, uh, it was like when he died, it was like part of my being died. And it was so powerful because I was looking at the, at the footage from Poland in the internet but in Poland we have also a lot of divisions in the country, we have regionalism, so it's like south and north, okay? So we have different regions in Poland, but we don't go well together, and there's always clashes, but it was the only time in the history of Poland that we really become like family. Everybody dressed white. In the every corner, every street, there was a candle in his memory. I mean, you could see from the plains, entire city illuminated by candles. Flowers were everywhere. Such a charismatic person for us. Now, such a beautiful person for an entire church. The message uh, he was preaching, the, the, the life he was living, the conviction he had, the prayer life and everything. 
Um, I, like, many people are asking me what is the best movie to see about John Paul II and I will suggest that if you would like to see a good movie it's called Carol. This is the best movie, it's very long, it's four hours, but it is the best movie about John Paul II and you will understand in the first part the drama of the communist regime in Poland and how he was handling this. You know, the communists were so stupid <laughs> because they were thinking that since he was a young priest, he will be rebelling against the old cardinal Wyszynski. And they were thinking that John Paul II is liberal as liberal can be. And when they will bring him to, in clash with Wyszynski, they will divide the Catholic Church and then they will destroy the Church from within. They misunderstood, they didn't understand John Paul II and they shoot themselves in the feet. And, uh, and I mean both feet. <laughs> because shortly afterwards they, they collapse. So, um, so they misunderstood him, they misunderstood his personality, his unity with, he respected Wyszynski and Wyszynski was for him like, like, like father. I mean such a respect and everything. And uh, so uh, John Paul II was very faithful, very faithful, and he was doing a lot of things which have to afterwards apologize to Wyszynski too. For instance, he went to the center of the Communist Party and he asked the Communists to give him back the seminar, and they gave him the back of the seminar. He went, I want the seminar. Then, then, as you know, that in Nova Kuda, in the outskirts of, of, uh, of uh, Krakow, they wanted to build the first communist city without God, without any church. Just apartment buildings and they forced the peasants who didn't have any experience of the work in the foundries and mines to reside in the apartments and work in the mines. So they brought these people, they didn't know how to behave, I mean they were living in the countryside in the little hut and then they were in these apartment buildings and they didn't have a church. And, uh, and John Paul II took advantage of this and he united the people by put the huge cross and said here we are going to build a church. And the communists were furious and said no, this is the first city in, in, in communist history but finally we will have it and they call this the city of Stalin and Lenin. Um, that, that this will be the, the, the perfect communist city without any church. And yet, you don't mess with John Paul II and his conviction, and he was resistant, and they were turning this cross over and over again, and it was every Christmas celebrating the Mass, and they give up finally, and they build a church. Because this is the power of prayer. So this is what I was trying to say. We have so much citizen unrest now in the United States. Prayer. Have you seen the movie War Room? This is my favorite movie. I mean, this is what we have to do. We have to unite ourselves in prayer. Go to the closet. We don't have to go to the closet like Protestants, but we can go to the church and we have, we have, um, we have a lot of churches with the with empty churches that there's the tabernacle that Jesus Christ is waiting for us and to go there and to talk to Him to resolve the problem with the prayer. And this is what, what, what I was taught by the, by the vision of John Paul II and his relationship with God. And uh, what struck me the most when he was really, really very old. You know, everybody is, is loving the picture of John Paul II when he was young, energetic, you know, athlete and everything. But, but the, I like John Paul II at his last stages of life. His person touched me more when he was broken and old. And what really convinced me about that he's not fake, first of all, I always listen to the music, because the voice says a lot. I can say, I love you, and I know that this is fake. And you can say, I love you, with the special charism, and you know that this is true. So every time when John Paul II said, I love you, I really, I really felt it. When he said, do not be afraid, no, don't be afraid, open wide the door for Christ. This guy, when he said this, I mean, I felt it. It was not faith, it was conviction. When he was saying, you know, um, in, when he went to Chile, there are two ways. No, the, the way with Christ 
and against Christ, and he was naming, and he was strong, I mean strong. Or, or like, like with, they have this um, terrorist attack, in, uh, not terrorist, mafia was killing in, in, uh, in Sardinia, or wherever it was, in, um, in Italia, Sicilia, no? The Sicilian mafia, he went and he said, he was preaching from, uh, he had always something written down, but then he pulled and said, you cannot kill! I mean, he was like that. Well, he got the spirit, I mean, he was like totally different person. I mean, he was on fire for Jesus Christ. And this would make me happy, happy, joy, joy when I saw him. And, and the, the most powerful for me was, however, when he couldn't speak at all. Do you remember this time? He didn't say a word. One day, he appeared in the window, and the only thing he did was this. And the huge saliva was like coming from his mouth. Make himself total impotent in front of everybody. But it was the moment when all the young people went wild because they saw the prophet of the truth. Whatever he was preaching, he was truthful to the end. And you know, when he died on the vigil of divine mercy. Thanks to John Paul II, we have divine mercy in every continent of the world. Who would imagine that the little nun from Poland, Faustyna Kowalska, who had only two classes of element primary school. I mean two classes of primary school. You know that the Polish language is the most difficult language in, Pol in, in the world? For example, Okay? This is the just anapetizer. Class. We are not we are not romantic language like the Roman language, like all the languages like Italian, Spanish, French. That's why many times I, I misplace the articles because when I came to the United States I was putting articles either before the names. The Paul told me, or whatever, so, because we, we, for me it's something new, I, we never have this. In Polish language we have Latin grammar, nominativus, dativus, accusativus, no? the declination. So, um, so this poor nun, by the obedience to her spiritual director, was told to write the diary. You know that she didn't commit even one orthographic mistake? And I, and I was fully educated, college education, and if I write something, I still make orthographic mistakes. And she had only two classes of elementary school. By obedience to the word of God, because she understood that whatever priest is saying to her, it's like Jesus was saying to her, she write down this diary, huge diary, without any orthographic mistake. And in this, and, 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 and Jesus Christ was saying, if you were reading this diary, he was saying, you have to establish this feast second Sunday after Easter. Who will do this? Before the Second Vatican Council, I mean, the, 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 everything was so rigid and everything was so organized because we were still recuperating after the Protestant Reformation. Who will think that we're going to put another feast on the second Sunday of Easter? And the providence of God gave us a Polish Pope from Krakow who knew everything about Faustina to make this feast possible. And what a good deal it is. Do you know things about Divine Mercy? Divine Mercy, when you pray the Divine Mercy chaplet with the person who is dying, the, per the Jesus Christ said, I am between him and God when he is dying, when you pray this prayer. I mean, I, I had a very nice witness of one of my parishioners from Cameroon who, who was saying to me that her father was dying and, 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 and her, uh, uh, her brother called her and said, my dad is almost, our dad is almost dead. Did he have a priest yet? No. Uh, so pray Divine Mercy Chapel and run for the priest. And the father was almost passing and he was dead. And in the moment when they start praying the Divine Mercy, he sat down. But nothing happened to him. The priest came, anointed him, and he died right away. I mean, these are the powers of the, of the power of the prayer and the, the belief in the divine mercy of God. And in fact, Poland is the most moralistic country ever. I mean, um, my biggest suffering was, but why I entered into crisis is because... Um, I was always thinking that God will love me only if I will be goody goody mushy mushy. 
if I would comb my hair and wear the suit and would behave and how you're doing, fine, thank you. I'll be very polite, then God will love me. And if I will be misbehaving, he will hate me. This was my understanding, correct? This was my understanding of religion. So I was very afraid. So divine mercy message is, is, is a scandal for me. I cannot understand the divine mercy. I'm scandalized. I am scandalized with Rudolf Hess. Do you know Rudolf Hess? Rudolf Hess was the commander of Auschwitz-Birkenau. He killed millions of people. And you know what happened to Rudolf Hess? Do you know his story? He was condemned to die. Where? In front of the crematories. They put the... How do you call it? The figure? Gallop. Yeah? They put the gallop. They set the date. And one priest who survived Auschwitz, he took his time, went to talk to him, and he went, Rudolf, confess your sins, receive the mercy of God. And Rudolf said, I don't understand you. I was persecuting all the priests. I hated all the priests. I, I humiliate you so many times, and you are coming to forgive me and to, to bring me forgiveness of God? Yes. And, and, and he was resisting for three days, and the third day the priest came and he said, Okay, you got me, I will confess. He confessed with the sincere repentance and tears in his eyes. He received anointing before death, all the forgiveness of his sins, and was executed for him day. Tell me where he is. You see, the mercy of God is crazy. It's like that. That's why. To understand Pope Francis, you have to understand mercy of God. Because Pope Francis is the Pope of mercy. Mercy doesn't mean that, you know, somebody is sinning and I said, okay, let him sin. And I hope that, that if you love me as a priest, and if you will see me sinning somewhere, getting wasted or whatever, you will not go like that. <laughs> but you will come and you said, Father says, what the heck you are doing? <laughs> and you will take me by the head and bring me to the rectory and call my bishop to, <laughs> to help me. This is what the mercy is all about. If I love somebody, I correct somebody, correct? So the, the mercy of God which John Paul II, Faustina and Pope Francis are showing to the world is this. There's the perfect story about Zacchaeus. Everybody's familiar with Zacchaeus? So, this is my personal interpretation, so this is not Nihil Obstad, okay? <laughs> I think that Zacchaeus was a little boy bullied in the school. Okay? Like I was bullied in the school when I was a little kid. I was always wearing glasses, and back in the time I had these big plastic glasses with the huge uh, glasses inside. So the kids were beating me up and then some kids even said, just take his glasses off and he will kill himself. And stuff like that. I remember. So I, when I was a kid, I was thinking to myself, one day I will become a cop. I will have a gun, I will have a power, I will have a badge and we will pay for it. Imagine. Now, Zacchaeus has the same thing. He was bullied. So he said, I will grow up and I will be tax collector. And not only tax collector, but chief of tax collectors. And I will make all these bullies to pay. Not only normal wage, but triple. Or even four times more. And it happened. He had everything, all money, all prestige. And he learned that Jesus Christ was passing by Jericho. So he made himself a little bit crazy. And he jumps on the sycamore tree, evaluates sycamore tree is the tree which produces the fruit, which is, um, which is the light fig, okay? But in order to have this fig sweet, you have to pierce this fig through, so that the juice can come out, and when the juice comes out, it becomes sweet. So now you understand what I'm trying to say? God is piercing us with a lot of experiences, a lot of drama, so that we may become sweet, not bitter. And, so he's sitting at this he's this bitter fruit sitting on the on the tree and is you know terrified, afraid and curious what this Jesus is all about. 
And Jesus Christ sees all these beautiful people from the first view in the church, who always are friends with the priest and hang, the biggest supporters and everything. And this, and this crazy guy on the tree whom everybody hated. And Jesus Christ looks at these beautiful parishioners, he doesn't say even hello to them, and charges up the tree when Zacchaeus is and said, Come down quickly because it behooves me to have dinner at your house. But, I mean, what's going on now? Everybody says, well, I'm paying tithes to my church, I'm always cool with the priest, and this guy is getting Jesus to his house and me not. And then, Jesus Christ doesn't say, like, sit down and says to him, like, Zacchaeus, you are, you know, you are a bad boy, come on. Put yourself together and be good. No, Jesus just loves him. He loves him, he looks at him with love. And Zacchaeus changes. You see, he says, Lord, if I have cheated someone, I will repay four times, and I will give half of my money to the poor. And then Jesus Christ said, today salvation has entered into this house. This is what I understand the mercy of God. I was forgiven a lot in my life. And John Paul II always gave me hope. Every homily I was listening to, I never heard any moralism in his homily. Any moralism. He always said that God can help you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to go to the deep water and to throw the net for a catch. And John Paul II catched me. I was a very rebellious. I was not Nemo. I was a shark. And, and he get me, even this rebellious one, to the net. And thanks to him, I'm also the priest, because before 1983, I could not be ordained a priest. You know why? Because I am coming from the... My mom, my dad was divorced, so I am not a legitimate child. Okay? And my brother is a priest too. Thanks to John Paul II. And my sister is expecting the fifth child because of John Paul II. And my other sister is expecting the fourth child because of John Paul II. If not, she will have only one boy and one girl and dog. But yet, listening to the preaching of John Paul II, it opened our hearts. First of all, because our children are not our children. You, you have them in lease. They are children of God. Like my body, it's not my body, it's the body of God. God gave me this and I have to bring it back, correct? I'll be judged whatever I did in my body. That's why the body is the Holy Spirit. Well, I learned through the mercy I was shown by all these folks one thing. We are so happy people of God that we have these great folks on our path. We have so much opportunities and to believe in this beautiful message of the gospel. God loves you! This is the powerful announcement that he died for you and John Paul II was always standing with the crucifix and said, look how he loves you. Today when I say this to you, you have two options. You can say, I believe and you are in heaven and you said, I doubt you are in hell. Because heaven is that you believe that you are deeply loved by God. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at your sins. Your sins have been forgiven. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven. Repent and change your mind. What does it mean, repent? This is what Jesus Christ was saying, repent. And Pope Francis, Pope Francis and Pope John Paul II, what does it mean? To change mentality, to think that God is good. And not only like we say, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. But to really believe what I say. Really believe what he said. And really believe what Pope Francis is saying to us. And it's not by a chance that we're going to Krakow. Krakow. Why? Because John Paul II start the first word of day. The first word of day when he gathered all the youth in Rome. Then in Częstochowa in 1991. Then in Philippines. Millions of people. I mean, it was like more than 30 million people. I mean, it was the biggest word of day. And the first one I went to was Loreto after, uh, after meeting in Philippines, not too many Europeans got visa to go to Philippines, so we organized another one with the Pope in Loreto. And in Loreto in 1995 I stood up to be a priest. This is the first time I felt that God is somehow calling me to do. 
and then um, and then I went to Paris. Wow, beautiful! In Paris, it was so amazing when he was when he was talking to us. When he when he made uh, uh, Santa Teresa of Lisieux, the little flower, he made her doctor of the church. I mean, it was so cool to be all around these young people from all the world. I mean, we are Catholic Church, my people. Wow, this is so so cool. I mean, you go there, like we are like in our little churches, and we see like you know only one thousand people here. I mean. You go there and you see people from from Australia, from Africa, from Europe, from both Americas, I mean even from Greenland, and you have people from all the world coming under one banner, and the banner of Jesus Christ in and with the Peter. Pope is the Peter. Ubi Petrus ibi Ecclesia. Where Peter is, there is a church. And hopefully one day we will understand this and come back to the full communion with the Catholic Church. Today I have a meeting for the funeral and said, oh, in my church everybody can come to communion. I said, in my church not everybody. I pray that one day we will do, but in my church only those who belong to the Catholic Church. So, so this is the thing, and this is the perfect communion that we are from all over the world. And we are one in this mega church. Oh, we are complaining because people that have mega churches, wake up, we are the biggest mega church in the world. You know? But while I go, I mean, in my church I have only 300 people, but oh, complaining. No, we are mega church. If we join all the churches from east of the river, I have thousands of people. And if I get all the people from Washington, D.C., I mean, I have to look for the Redskins Stadium to gather them. We are the mega church. And if I gather all the people from the entire world, we will not have a place to meet. And this is the thing, this is, what, this is what we have to be proud. And this World Youth Day is reminding us, so that's why I invite you really to consider to come to Krakow, uh, in, in the capital, okay? <laughs> I know that, that, that it's too late to register already, and don't even try because you're not registered, everything is closed already in Poland, but in DC everything is wide open. <laughs> and then you can see in, in DC that you will have people from Arlington, you have people from Fairfax, you have people from DC, and even some Maryland. I mean, you have everybody, and this will be something beautiful for all of us to experience Catholicity, to experience that we are one, that we are one. And then um, Jonathan promised also that there will be broadcast from Poland, correct? We'll have a broadcast, so you will be even in more perfect communion. I mean, it doesn't matter if we are physically there, but the spirit is the same, no? The spirit in Poland is not different than in the United States because where the people of God are, the spirit is the same. So this is the thing, to gather together and to leave this pilgrimage. I invite you to really stay on this camp overnight. Why? Because the, we are pilgrims, some of us. That's why you will understand John Paul II, he was a Papa Viajero. He was the pilgrim Pope. He was going from place to place. He never stayed in Vatican. That's why I like him. <laughs> he was going always against the tide. I mean, every, everywhere the, the, the people need him, he was there. I mean, in Sarajevo, in, in, uh, in, in, in the places when the people were killing each other, he was there in the middle saying, stop doing this foolishness. When the war in Iraq broke out, he was the first one to speak against. I mean, when the Cuban crisis was there, he stopped the Cuban crisis with Reagan together, or whoever president was back then. <laughs> Maybe uh, Bobby Kennedy, I forgot. <laughs> Pardon my history. But, uh, but this is the thing, but this is the power of, of this is the power. So, so I'm going physically to Krakow, and I'm very happy because. Um, because I'm going by home. <laughs> I will just see my parents, unfortunately, only two days. Um, because we'll be staying in the church when I was baptized. And uh, I hope this 110 people who are going with me are going to enjoy the place there. And uh, we'll be going, we're going to stay with the families. And uh, to experience everything together. I already called my pastor to organize to, to bring all the youth from my city to one church and we'll be, you know, we'll have experience of uh, American children can say their experience and the Polish children their experience. So I envision this to be pretty cool. And this is the thing, I mean, really go, go. 
I mean, uh, uh, to, 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 this, to this great event and to be a huge testimony, not only, because imagine if only 200 people shows up, you know what Washington Post will write? They are people, they don't care about Catholic Church. No, it's, you know, we already have so many complaints anyways. So more, I, I would envision at least 3,000 people. I mean, minimum. We have so many youth. And you have so many friends, and they don't have to be Catholic to come there. I mean, are you ashamed of your church? You know that in my church, I'm in an African-American church. They are bringing people to my church, from their ch other churches. And the other churches are bringing also people to their church. And I have many, and I'm going also to Baptist church many times, just to find out if they're, what they're lying down so that I may have an idea. <laughs> And, and this is the thing, I mean, they are not ashamed to invite me. Can you come? I mean, and, you, and, and how beautiful it is that I'm going to the funeral in the Baptist church of one of my parishioners, and they said, he's my pastor. And I said, oh no, I will not step into the schismatic church. No. I'm going there because wherever the Jesus Christ is preached, hopefully one day will be back with us. I mean, courage, I have this vision. I mean, God is great. Especially when we are going to be persecuted, because coming soon. But because the Christianity becomes powerful when it's persecuted. And did you go to the 4th of July in the, in the, in the Basilica, the Mass for Freedom, or Night for Freedom event, no? The, the bishop was saying the truth. We have to be martyrs. Doesn't Martin, martyr doesn't mean that we have to, the ISIS will come and cut your throat. Martyr is mean to give testimony. I mean, hey, I belong to the Catholic Church, the oldest church in the world. Okay? And we are gathering in, uh, in, in, in campus of Catholic University, and I will show you what we are doing. Because many people think that we Catholics are sad. But we are so boring. Well, and I always have this comment when, when the people come for the funeral and, uh, and, I, and I finish my preaching and they come and say, hmm, pretty interesting, I was thinking well, I'll be boring, boring this church. I mean, because this is the vision they have. They think that we are, that we are just boring people. And we have so much potential. I mean, our liturgy is so beautiful. I mean, who has the liturgy like we have? Go to the cathedral, St. Matthew's Cathedral, listen to the organs and choir. Who has a better choir than we? And, and when we have the papal mass, the I mean the microphones were in problem anyways. But even without microphones, our united choirs were singing our liturgy so powerful, so beautiful. And, and John Paul II also showed this to us when he was celebrating in front of the thousand of the peoples in Japan. He even learned Japanese to say the mass in Japanese. No? This is the thing, this is what also helped me to make a decision because I, the, the common sense will be for me to go to Poland for the seminary, correct? I mean, common sense. Especially that my mom lives very close to the diocese and seminary, I will just go, become a priest in Poland, then I will be assigned to the parish and my mother will be a pastor. <laughs> because I've been calling, Mom, I have a problem with this and this and all that. <laughs> I like that. I mean, th this is what shows also that we are Catholic faith. I mean, I am a priest of Jesus Christ, I'm not Polish. If somebody is asking where you're from, I say, I'm from heaven. And you? <laughs> you have a strange accent. Yeah, it is heavenly accent. <laughs> and, and in fact, if you want to go to heaven, you have to learn Polish. <laughs> That's why purgatory is so long. <laughs> So pray for us as we go toward your day, and uh, uh, we will we'll have a very beautiful time with Pope Francis in the in, in the city of Krakow, where John Paul II was the cardinal. And I think that uh, you know, pray especially for the young people because um, I am taking the youth with problems. Many of them will not die of drugs this summer because I'm taking them to Krakow. And maybe many of them will not go to jail this summer because I'm taking them to Krakow. Maybe what many of them will become priests and nuns because God recycles. I'm the perfect example of this. Okay? So pray for them that they may be touched by the preaching and they may listen. I was I, I supposed to speak about Pope 
John Paul II, but Pope Benedict XVI touched me the most in Madrid, in the meeting of the World Day in Madrid. He said, who do the people say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? Whom we are following, the ghost or following Jesus? We follow Jesus, the Son of Man. And as Pope Francis said, Jesus is the face of God. How beautiful face God has, no? So I invite you also to print, there's a beautiful picture of the Jesus from the Shroud of Turin. I have this picture in front of my Blessed Sacrament in my chapel. And I have, I have the project that I will pray 15 minutes just looking into his eyes. It is the most difficult look I ever had. And many times when you look at that into the eyes of Jesus, you become a little bit uncomfortable because he looks at your sins, huh? So I'm like checking my watch sometimes. And once when I was praying, I heard inside, Pavel, Pavel, you cannot stay with me 15 minutes. How do you imagine to stay with me all eternity? So courage, this is our plan, to go to heaven and we can go to heaven starting in Krakow, in capital. So, Jonathan, just show yourself to the brethren. Jonathan is the, uh, one of the organizers. And together you can, you can you know, ask the question and everything. And, you know, I really, I really would like to see at least 3,000 people there. Do we have place for 3,000? Yeah, we have. Okay, so I will finish with the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, O Blessed Trinity, we thank you for having graced the Church with St. John Paul II, and for allowing the tenderness of your fatherly care the glory of the cross of Christ and the splendor of the spirit of love, to shine through him, trusting fully in your infinite mercy and in the maternal intercession of Mary. He has given us a living image of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and has shown us that holiness is the necessary measure of ordinary Christian life and is the way of achieving eternal communion with you. Grant us by his intercession and according to your will, the graces we implore, hoping that he will soon be numbered among all your saints. Amen. I'm sorry that I was, that I was speaking too long. <laughs>